We are in Ephesians chapter 2. We, at Calvary Chapel, we go through the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse. And we are in Ephesians chapter 2. If you need a Bible, just raise your hand. We at Calvary Chapel, we, we like not only to hear the Word of God, but see it. Something happens when we see God's Word. Actually, even scientists will tell you that a chemical reaction, when you see, uh, when you see something, is imprinted on your brain. What, what better thing to imprint on your brain than God's Word? So Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. This is Paul, the Apostle Paul, by the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that and First uh, Timothy, that the whole Bible is God-breathed. It's breathed by the Holy Spirit. So this is the Apostle Paul with the Holy Spirit working through him. And he says this, And you he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all, underline that word, all, among whom also we all, once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, just as the others. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Let's pray. Lord, on this last day of 2015, we pray, Lord, that you imprint on our souls, even as this has just been imprinted on our minds, Lord. The gospel, the good news, the word which was placed in this letter 2,000 years ago for every man, woman, and child in this room. Lord, your word says, that all the Bible is meant for our building up, for a warning, for encouragement, for joy. 
to make us fearful if we're walking in the wrong way, to remind us, to instruct us in something new, Lord, all those things. Please, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, do this morning. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. So chapter 2, verse 5, the end of the verse, said it is by grace that you have been saved. In chapter 8, beginning of the verse, repeats, it says, by grace you have been saved. Two times we're told that God saves with that word. We're also told a couple times that he's made us alive. He saves us. God saves man. He saves woman. It does beg the question, saved from what? What does he save us from? From what does he... Do we have to be saved? Why does a man or woman have to be saved? Why is it even necessary to be saved? How about suffering? Is that the right answer? When it says in in, in verses 5 and 8 that God saves, is it speaking of being saved from suffering. To be sure, man is suffering. The world is suffering. Man needs God. The world needs God to save them because of the great suffering man is in. Is that what we're saved from? Well, actually, that is uh, the picture or the idea that most have of what God saves from. Man makes God in his own image. Talking about fallen man now. And the God that he makes in his own image, he's there and he's got to be useful. So uh, the suffering, sometimes unbearable, God saves us from that suffering. That's the picture most have of God's salvation. He saves from suffering. Are you suffering? If so, come to Jesus and he'll save you from suffering. That's the gospel that goes out from many, many, many places, many churches, Christians all all over the world are actually declaring that gospel. Are you suffering? Come to Jesus and he'll save you. That's the gospel that we hear so often. The word gospel, what does it mean? Good news. Now we know from the Bible that the church is responsible for going out to the whole world with the good news, the gospel. Jesus says this in Matthew 24. 
He says this, the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations. When Jesus said the gospel, what's he talking about? Is it the gospel that says if you're suffering, come to, come to Jesus, he'll save you? Is that the gospel uh, that Jesus was talking about? It is not. It's not. We're going to be talking about what the gospel is that Jesus was talking about, what the good news is. But before we do, I want to talk for just a minute on why it is that so many Christians are preaching a gospel that says, if you're suffering, come to Jesus. He will help you. And, and that's, that's it. That's the gospel. You can actually draw a circle around it, and, and that's it. Because if the truth be told, you could say that's part of the gospel. It's part of what Jesus meant. But the gospel that's going out, the whole gospel is often, that's more or less what it is. You're suffering, come to Jesus. I want to talk about why so many churches and Christians are preaching that gospel for a second. And the reason is this. It's not offensive. It's really easy for someone to hear that and not be offended or insulted. But you know, that, that's a big problem because throughout the New Testament, throughout the Bible, we are told that the gospel is offensive. offensive. Listen to, to Jesus' words himself. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 34, and 36, Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to turn a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. Jesus himself declared that he was an offense to the world. He said in Romans 9.33, he said this, Behold, I lay in Zion a stumbling stone and a rock of offense. So think of we just had Christmas. Think of Bethlehem. God laid in... Zion is another word for Israel. I laid in Israel. Who did he lay in Israel? He laid baby Jesus in Bethlehem. But when, that, when baby Jesus was lying in that feeding trough, that manger, he was a stumbling stone. He was a rock of offense, meaning he, he was something offensive. Throw a rock into someone's face, it hurts. That's, hey, why'd you throw that rock in my face? That's offensive. That's what laid in that manger. 
And whoever believes on him, Romans 9.33, continues, will not be put to shame. Are you suffering? If so, come to Jesus. He'll save you. That really doesn't sound very offensive. It's not. According to the Bible, that doesn't sound like the gospel at all. The interesting thing is the gospel, the good news that the Bible teaches is true, that Jesus taught was truth, is actually laid out perfectly in the first 10 verses of Ephesians chapter 2. Now, the interesting thing about the gospel, and those of you who have been through the training on how to share your faith. We had three sessions last summer. We're going to have four this next year, starting in April. Four six-week sessions. Go through one session, and you've graduated in six weeks. They will tell you this, that the good news actually starts off with bad news. The good news actually starts off with bad news. And the bad news that the good news starts off with, are you following me, is actually far, almost indescribably far and worse than the fact that man is suffering. It's way worse than that, the bad news. You say, wow, that sounds like awfully bad news. What is the bad news? Well, let's read the first uh, three verses of Ephesians verse 2. This is the gospel laid out, the good news. The good news that Jesus said is to be declared to all the world. The good news that in Matthew 28, 28, Jesus says, go out everywhere and share this. Verse 1 says, And you he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sin. Now stop there. Those three words in verse 1, he made alive, are not there in the Greek. This is a, the New Testament was written in Greek. Many of your Bibles, those words, uh, he made alive, um, actually, they're not even there in many of your Bibles. If you, those of you who have an NIV, you're not even seeing it. Um, but they're in, otherwise, they're in italics, and that's because the translators added them to try to make it more understandable. But most Bible translations just have very simply uh, in this verse 1, it says, it says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And so he's talking to Christians in these verses. So prior to Christ, or apart from Christ, or when you are sharing the good news that Jesus brought to earth, this is what you share. Now some of you in here, you've never really come to faith, to a relationship with Jesus Christ. So this is for, this is for you. It starts off with, you are dead in your trespasses and sins. That's how it starts. In verse 2, it says, in which you walk, once walked 
according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath. That means anger, speaking of God's anger, just as the other. So let me put all those together. Here we go. Let me put all those together. Here's the bad news. The bad news is this. Now, the gospel it means good news, but the good news starts with bad news. And you put these three verses together in a list, and this is what you have. You're dead in your trespasses and sins. You walk according to the course of the world. You walk according to the prince of the power of the air. You're a son of disobedience. You conduct yourself according to the lusts of the flesh. Therefore, you're a child of God's wrath. Now that is offensive. <laughs> that is insulting. But that's the gospel. The gospel. If you are really loving someone, if you're loving a family member who does not know God, who doesn't have a relationship with Christ, they may think they do, but they don't. If you're really loving them, Sean, can we get that back up there? You will be telling them this. The Bible says, never just say, this, this is my idea, by the way. So, you know, I, I get this funny thing about you. When I look at you, uh, Sean, can we get that up there? When I look at you, uh, you know, I, I, you just come across to me as being dead in your sin, dead in your trespasses. And, and you just come across to me, you know, you're walking according to the course of the world. No. You say the Bible says, and you can even open up to Ephesians chapter 2, you can say the Bible says that you are dead in your trespasses and sins. You walk according to the course of the world. You walk according to the prince of the power of the air. You're a son of disobedience. And you conduct yourself according to the lust of the flesh. And therefore, you're a child of God's wrath. Now, the Bible says when you speak truth, speak it in love. <laughs> and, and, and for good reason. Because if you go up to someone and you start sharing this and you're not sharing it in love, look, they're going to be offended if you share it in love. But if you're not a, 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 sharing it in love, they'll be throwing you out of the house or wherever you're at. But this is how the gospel begins. This is offensive to most people. And again, it ends with Therefore, you're a child of God's wrath, meaning you are in indescribably, horrifyingly deep trouble with Almighty God. That's what a child of, of wrath means in the Bible. So, let's, let's take these one by one. Let's just start with number one. You are dead. No, come back down. Come back down. Yeah, let's start, let's start there, Sean. You are dead in your, in your trespasses and sins. The second one is number two. Let's start with the one up above. There you go. A little bit more. The bad news is, very good. You are dead 
in your trespasses and sins. So what this is saying is you're not just knee deep in your sins. You're not waist deep or neck deep in your sins. You have literally drowned in your trespasses and sins. They have killed you. You are dead insofar as your relationship with God is concerned. That's what the Bible teaches. It starts teaching that in Genesis chapter 2 and 3. In Genesis chapter 2, God said to man, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat it, you shall surely die. What did they do in Genesis chapter 3? Man and woman ate of the fruit, and their relationship with God died. God created man, body, soul, and spirit. God is spirit, the Bible says, and he relates to man through the spirit. And the day that man decided he wanted to be like God, Genesis chapter 3, and he, he ate of that fruit, he died. And so, hence, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, you are dead in your trespasses and sin. Now, let's talk about this phrase, trespasses and sins. Let's actually, let's, um, let's start first, let's do the reverse here. Let's start with the word sin. What is sin? Well, sin, the word sin, at least in, in, in this context, it refers to an intentional act of disobedience to the word of God. God's word says to lie, you lie. God's uh, word says not to steal, you stolen. God's word says not to commit adultery, you've committed adultery. I have? Well, yes. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 28, Jesus says that if a man looks upon a woman with lust, he has committed adultery. Really? Yes, really. God's word says not to murder, you've murdered. Really? I've murdered? Yes, really. Jesus says in Matthew 25-22 that anger is the equivalent of murder. Really? Yes, really. You've murdered. And, and those things um, are sin, as that word is used in, in chapter 2, verse 1. The Bible says everyone in this room has a really, really, really long rap sheet of sin. Every one of you. Now what about the word trespass? Verse 1 says you were dead in your trespasses and sins. The word sin refers to things we do intentionally on purpose. The word trespass refers to things we do unintentionally. This is something very, a word used a lot in the Old Testament law. unintentional things, things we do on purpose that violate the Word of God. There's thousands of examples of this. Thousands. I mean, people live, do you ever ever hear the word, the expression, the hell is paved with good intentions. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. People are out there with just wonderful intentions, very good intentions, thinking that the path they're on is a good one. Let me just give you one. A student graduates from college. They are asked what they want to do with their life. And what do they say? Come on, what do they say? What does every one of them say? 
I want to make the world a better place. I want to make the world a better place. That's what they say. They say something like that. But first, I got to go out and make some money. You can't make the world a better place if you don't have some money. So I'm going to get a job first. And they go get a job. They work there a couple years. They get a promotion. Is now the time to start making the world a better place? No, I need a little bit more money. And so three or four years go by. They get, a, they get another promotion. They're making more money. And then all of a sudden, 20 years have gone by. They had the best intentions. But what did they do with all their money? They spent 98% of it on themselves. We're all guilty. A trespass, the Bible says. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.15 that God raised Jesus from the dead so that man would no longer live for themselves but the God, but the one who rose from the dead for them. That's a trespass. Living 5, 10, 20 years of your life. Really, honestly, with the best intentions. But the best intentions of man fall woefully short Chapter 2 of Ephesians verse 1 says, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. Let's go to number 2. Number 2 says this, You walk according to the course of the world. This is the gospel that Jesus said to go out to the world and share with every living creature. It's really, it, honestly, it starts off with this. You're dead in your trespasses and sins, meaning when you came out of your mother's womb, you, you didn't have a relationship with God. You were dead in your relationship with God. And what, did you do, what have you been doing with your life? You've been walking according to the course of the world, meaning according to the way of the world. The Bible says that God has a way. He's got a way for your life, for the life of a Christian, a way. But the world also has a way. And if you look at your life, it's clear that you are in the way, the path of the world. This is what the gospel says. Jesus says in Matthew 7, 13, he says this, he says, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. it there's a way, a course, verse 2. Let's just read verse 2. It says, it says, you once walked according to the course of the world. There's a way in the world, and, and, and you know, there's... You could say there's a, a 20 million pound magnet that, that draws the world into this way, uh, the, 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 that fashion, the, that, that fashion. You know, you see a fashion, the world has a fashion, and, and you're like, you go to the fashion, and you're like, yes, and then the world presents a food, and you're like, ooh, and you go like this, and you go, Mm, 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 of food, and then you say, ooh, the world has presents some entertainment, and you go, ooh, entertainment, and you're like, mm, 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 mm. 
It's got an entertainment. You're, you're, you're being formed. You're fashioned. You're being drawn into it. Uh, there is uh, uh, whatever. There, there, there's music. There, there's, there is whatever. There's just a, a, a philosophy, a, a world philosophy. There, there's just a drawing to it. Jesus said, many enter into the way. It's, it's, it's the current. It's that downstream current of the world, which is you just dip your foot in, much less have your whole uh, body in as the world lives, their bodies in the current of the world. It just, they just sweep down with whatever uh, current the world's going in. Whatever new thing. Proverbs 16, 25 which is a great verse to share when you're sharing the gospel. And if you don't know, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus and you're here this morning, I will tell you there is a way, Proverbs 16.25 says, that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. There's a way that seems right and it's that way, verse 2, it's where it says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, it says, you walked according to the way of the world. Now, the third piece of the bad news, the gospel, the good news, starts with bad news, is again there in verse 2, it says that you walk according to the prince of the power of the air. Now, if anything's going to be insulting, this is. But if anything is true, this is also true. There are those who walk according to the Prince of Peace. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. But you don't. The Gospel says. You don't. You walk according to the Prince of the Power of the Air. And again, you share the truth in love and Whatever you do, you have, you have a Bible right, right in front of you because you don't want to be speaking this from your own authority. And, and I'm up here speaking not on my own authority, but the authority of the Lord, that if you're not, if you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, the Bible says right here in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 2, that right now you're walking according to the prince of the power of the air. The Spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. The Bible says we're spiritual beings. Again, we were created body, soul, and spirit, but we're, we're spiritual beings. I was talking to my daughter this last week, and she mentioned to me that uh, she was talking about some time that she literally could feel someone staring at her. She could feel it. And she turned around, and sure, sure enough, someone was staring at her. And I said, well, that, the reason you could feel it is because you're a spiritual being. Ever had that sensation? You just knew someone was staring at you. That's because you're a spiritual being. The spirit life is completely outside of our senses. The Bible says that human beings are spiritual beings, but... Human beings are not alone. There are angelic spiritual beings, some good, some not good. Some of them take their orders from God. Some of them take their orders from Satan. 
who once dwelled with God in heaven in a position of exceedingly great glory, but he was cast out of heaven because the position that God gave him was not good enough for him. He wanted to be worshipped like God. Jesus said, I was there in heaven when Satan was cast out like lightning. And now, today, Satan, having lost the glory God gave him in heaven, is now hell-bent, literally, on trying to steal from God's glory. And that's what he does. And part of the gospel is, you've got to understand that you are walking according to the prince of the power of the air. In 1 John, we read this verse. 1 John 5, 19. We just finished 1 John um, chapter 5, actually. The whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. The whole world does. And part of the gospel, we're told, the good news, which starts with bad news in Ephesians chapter 2, is you're walking in it. You're walking according to the prince of the power of the air. You're under the sway of the wicked one. The bad news continues. It says that you are a son of disobedience. And by that, it is meant, it could mean that you're a son of the evil one. Jesus said, put people in two categories. It says you're either sons of the evil ones or you're sons of God. No in between. But more likely here, it, what it means is you're, you're a son of disobedience. It's just a reference to that's your lifestyle. You're a son of disobedience. You disobey the word of God. When you get up in the morning and you go out, the first time there is a any kind of conflict or disagreement between obeying what the Word of God says and, um, and or not, you're a son of disobedience. You go the not route. You disobey. That's what the Bible says. You're a son of disobedience. And then it goes on. And the next one, and it says, you conduct yourself according to the lusts of the flesh. Eek, this is really offensive and really bad. But it's the gospel. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 3. It says, you, you, before a relationship with Jesus Christ, you fulfill the desires of the flesh. I like that proverb. I put it up on the screen sometime. It says uh, the, the leeches have just two cries. It's give me, give me. Ever seen a leech? Know what a leech is? A slug? Those gross little slimy things that latch on to someone's skin? Give me, give me, give me once they latch onto the skin. That's how the flesh is. Just give me, give me, give me, give me. And, and, and prior to Christ, this is how... A man or woman's life is characterized. They just fulfill it to the max. Now, God made the flesh. He did. He made the flesh here is a reference to the desire for food, the desire for fun, the desire for sex. All those things are beautiful things except 
when defiled and polluted by sin, they become gods in of themselves. And, and, and you live just in order to fulfill the desires of your flesh and your life becomes all about that. And so the bad news ends. Look, you know what the result of all of this is? The result of your life? God is just He is holy. You are a child of God's wrath. You are a child of God's wrath. That's how it ends. Can we scroll down just one more? Therefore, you are a child of God's wrath. Meaning you are in incredibly huge trouble with Almighty God. The Bible says in John 3.36... It says this, he who believes in the Son has everlasting life, and he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. That word abides means it just hovers over him. It remains on him. It dwells on him. And, And man, when you are... Here in this world, uh, the Bible says every man and woman in the world, uh, they they come out of their mother's womb. They're they're dead in their trespasses and their sins. They walk according to the course of the world. They walk according to the prince of the power of the air. They are a son, a daughter of disobedience. They conduct themselves according to the lust of the flesh. And God is holy. He can't just stick his head in the ground. There are consequences for that. He is just. And the result of that, the expression of his justice, he's got to judge it. And so any man or woman living in this way, they're a child of God's wrath. Believe it or not, that's how the gospel starts. As it has been laid out here in Ephesians chapter 2. But the good news follows. The good news is Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4 through 7, which says this, But God. Do you realize everyone in here who is a Christian, do you realize your entire testimony? Don't tell me you have a testimony. Your testimony is, is two words. Everyone has a testimony of two words. And those words are, but God. Someone comes up to you, hey, what's your testimony? But God. It'll be completely accurate. But God. Verse 4. Who is rich in mercy... Because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, he made us alive. Now, the, those three words are actually are there in the Greek. He made us alive together with Christ, meaning he joined us with his son. Literally, spiritually, a Christian has been joined to Jesus It is by grace that you have been saved. 
And he raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now we will continue this next week. But God's salvation of you is so sure that from his perspective, you are sitting right now. If you are a born again believer, you are sitting right now with him in heaven. That's how sure your salvation is. Verse 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Verse 8, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And so, so important that we get things right and that we don't cave in and start believing or worse, preaching or sharing or passing on a gospel that is not the gospel at all. Now, Sean, can we get the list up uh, one more time? Let me tell you uh, a couple problems with the gospel that just says, if you're suffering, if you're suffering, come to Jesus and, and, and he'll be with you and he'll take you away. But even if he doesn't take it away, at least he'll be with you in the suffering. If that's the whole gospel, there's a couple of problems there. One is, you'll speak to many who are not suffering. <laughs> you'll speak to many people, particularly young people. They're not suffering at all. So thanks, but no thanks. I'm glad it works for you. I'm glad you suffered and God took it away. You're suffering. I'm, I'm glad that worked for you. But there's also a big problem even for you if you have embraced a gospel that says that, Oh, if you're suffering, come to Jesus and he will help you. And, and that problem is this. And, and brothers and sisters, please, please listen in carefully because as a pastor, I live and breathe this problem with people in the church, this church, and other Christians every week, 52 weeks a year. They've embraced that gospel about suffering. If you're suffering, come to Jesus. God looked upon the whole world. He saw this cauldron of suffering, this, this whole wor world just suffering, and, and he sent his son Jesus into the world to deal with that suffering. Oh yes, I want that Jesus. And they, they brought Jesus into their life, and their life went real, real well for six months or six years. Or maybe even 20 years, whatever. But then all of a sudden, the sky, sky starts falling in on their life. And they're wondering, what is going on? What is going on? This is not what I bought in for when I became a Christian. And a lot of times, it's because they have accepted a false gospel. And if, 
at the time they first came to Jesus, they had accepted this truth, which the Bible says is true of every man, woman, and child on planet Earth, if they had accepted that um, apart from or before coming to Christ, they were dead in their trespasses and sins, that before Christ, they really did walk according to whatever current the world took them in, that before coming to Christ, they were really a follower of the devil. (laughs) That before coming to Christ, they were a son, they were a daughter of disobedience. That before coming to Christ, they conducted themselves according to the lust of their flesh. If they really did believe that, they would understand that man... They deserve not only the suffering they're in now, but a thousand times worse. They deserve hell, and they wouldn't be in the mental stress and misery and crisis that they're in. Everyone following me? If they would look, if they would accept Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, then when they get in that place of terrible suffering, they will look at the cross, they will see Jesus unrecognizable on the cross, and they will recognize, wow, I deserve that. Yeah, I'm suffering now, but that's the suffering that I deserved. Why? Because of Ephesians 1, chapter 2, verses 1 through 3. As Christians understand the gospel. Not that phony gospel that's out there in so many quarters on planet earth and churches, but the gospel of Ephesians chapter 2. Not only will they have a much more fruitful life as they're going out and sharing the love of God with people, but even in their own life, they will be so much more a pillar of light and stability and peace and love and patience and kindness. Okay, we'll pick it up next week. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. At this time, and if you've been asked to pray, if you could also come up as well, And we're just going to close with a worship song. And I do want to, um, I want to say this before the the worship team begins. So there's going to be people up here uh, for prayer, and I myself am going to be up here praying. Look, if you've never come to the place in your life where you have fully embraced and accepted God's view of you, and God's view of you, is that a part of a full surrender to Jesus Christ, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. You're not just knee deep. You're not just waist deep. You've been drowned. You're dead. You are walking according to the course of the world, meaning God has a way. He has a course, but you're walking according to the way of of the world, not God's way, that you, uh, worse than that, are really walking according 
to what the prince of the power of the air, Satan, has been leading you. You're a son, you're a daughter of disobedience. You conduct yourself according to the lust of your flesh. And, and wow, you're a child of God's wrath. And, and you need God, you need Jesus. The gospel is not, oh wow, I'm suffering, come to me, Jesus. The, the gospel is, I'm a child of God's anger. Come to me, Jesus, and rescue me from that. That's the gospel. If you've never done that, come up. And uh, pray with me. I'll be up here. So will uh, some other folks. Or else if, if you just want perhaps a greater understanding of God's grace. Just come up to pray during the worship t- uh, uh, time. Why don't you stand um, as we close in prayer and, and this worship song. Or, or if there's anything else that you'd like to, to pray for at this time. Anything else you'd like to pray for. Come up while the worship team worships with us now. Let me close in prayer. Lord, I just pray, Father, that that would all sink in. That was a mouthful, Lord. And Lord, we want to absorb your truth. We want it all, Lord, to just to come in, to, to seep in. We want to live and breathe, Lord, your grace, a life which shouts out to the world that we have been blessed by Almighty God a million, ten million, a hundred million times greater than what we deserve, Lord. Pray that you do that. Pray in the name of Jesus that you do that with this message this morning. Lord, bring us to a full understanding of of the truth that when as we worship we should we can worship from that point of view from that place the place of recognizing who we are where we have come from and where you're taking us we pray this in Jesus name Amen